0: Welcome to Roundtale Radio, the podcast from Roundtale Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Good morning,
1: Ed. Good morning, Leslie.
0: I remembered the intro. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I would.
1: Bravo. But
0: halfway through, I
1: panicked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we made it through. Happy Monday. hmm Brisk, chilly, bright yes. Monday here in Connecticut. We hope you are all doing well. Mm -hmm. And we're glad to be back, although I realized, so we took a couple weeks off, which Mm -hmm. was very restorative to me, at least. I hope it was to you. I hope it was (laughs) to all of you. Um, And I realized next week is a holiday Monday. Yes. And we record on Monday. So we'll be back in two weeks after that again. That's right. But we thought we'd pop in and say hello. And we have... A new uh book you are looking into and using as a resource material for worship. Indeed. So we thought we'd learn about that together because I have not read the book. So I thought we, we we can all learn together. Ed can educate us all. Beginner's mind. Yes. I am fully ready to <laughs> learn and absorb and enjoy. Nice. So what what is the book? And what are we what, what what prompted you to use this as a as a
1: material for worship? All right. Good questions. Thanks. <laughs> Let's start there. What, what prompted this? Well, this book is called Deeply Woven Roots, mm-hmm. Improving the Quality of Life in Your Community. And that's something we're thinking a lot about. Sure. Especially now, how do, how do we improve the quality of life in our communities when, in many cases, we, can't, we still can't see one another as much as we would like to? Right. Right? Right. So um, the author of this book is Gary Gunderson. Uh, Gary is an ordained pastor in the American Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. He has spent almost his entire adult life working in the field of public health. Okay. So he has not worked specifically in a church congregational context, although he's a very active member in his local church, but he serves on the faculty at Wake Forest University and he's vice president of the School of Public Health. Mm-hmm. So he brings all of that experience about improving the quality of life in community, especially from a health perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, one of the things that they've managed to do at Wake Forest is to reach out to Baptist churches throughout the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm to assist with the delivery of healthcare services. Oh, wow. The understanding being that when people are in community, they might be more likely to follow through on their appointments and on their checkups because someone is saying, so did you have that checkup that you said you were going to have this past week? Did you get that physical? So anyway, that's been one way that he's used to, I think, to advance public health and the state of North Carolina in particular. So this book just seemed like it was ready to read again. It's interesting because it was published in 1997, which seems like an eon ago. Yeah, it does. Anything (laughs) (laughs) anything below before 2000 is really, seems like a long, long time ago. It
0: does and it doesn't, because I think my brain (laughs) thinks the 90s were the last decade.
1: (laughs) Right. Okay. There you go. All right. So, you know, maybe it's it's a little fresher. It's a
0: little, you know, it's fine.
1: (laughs) Well, I think this is one of those books, though, uh, that seems to really be standing the test of time. Mm. And it is the best book I've ever read on the practice of ministry. Okay. So it's really appropriate, not just for clergy reading it, however, but for local communities of faith. And here's the thing I like most about the book. At a time when it's very easy to reference the decline of the church, both in numbers and influence. Sure. Gary Gunderson is all about talking about the strengths of the church. Hmm. So what are the strengths that the church brings to the building up of the common good, both in small geographical areas where the church might be located, Hmm. but also in much larger ways. And uh, I would use as an example of that right now, the the resettlement of Afghan evacuees in the town of Greenwich. Roundhill Community Church is part of a small organization, Rising Hope Resettlement Group, we're together with three other organizations, three churches and one secular organization. But I was thinking last night about the impact of that, because while we are resettling Afghan evacuees in our community, those Afghan evacuees have a lot of relatives still back in Afghanistan mm-hmm. or on other military bases across the country waiting to be you know, settled somewhere. And um, so those people are saying to their friends and relatives in other parts of the country, you won't believe what these people are doing for us. Mm. So it's a very positive message. And we have the strength to do it because we're doing it together. So for all those reasons, I thought this would make a good book to read. You know, this is a good time to be thinking about the strengths that we have to offer. Even if overall, yes, there's a diminishment in numbers, The church has gone through periods of diminishment in the past, sure, right, radically so, and found a way to navigate itself, remake itself, reinvent itself. So here we are.
0: Well, and that challenge that comes from like taking a hard look at what you're doing and Mm -hmm. and who you know who you are as an organization, I think, is always can be positive, yeah, and useful. And like, what do we really want to be spending our time? our, our resources, human, financial, mm-hmm. you know, economical, all those things. So how are you using this text to influence and form your sermons in the next mm. coming weeks?
1: So we're going to be exploring this book, uh, right up through the end of February. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a book for the Christian season of epiphany. And, um, Part of the trick of this is that the individual chapters are helpfully laid out in terms of the strengths that the church brings. So mm-hmm. it's the strength to pray, the strength to convene, um, this, the strength to speak out for justice, all of these things. Um, the Gary, in his book, though, does not typically list scripture texts that go, that, which would have been super helpful. <laughs> that would have
0: been really nice, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: Gary, uh, second, third edition of this book, whatever, let's just kind of keep, you know, keep the preacher in mind. Okay. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Who can in turn help the director of music? Okay. So there's a, there's a lot of positives. I mean, come on. <laughs> Little helpful section yes, at I the end of each that. chapter. Thanks. Um, so failing that, however, part of the job here is to read through a particular chapter and then to think, okay, what are some what are some texts? What are some hymns, mm-hmm. um, choral anthems that, that connect with this and help to flesh it out? So mm-hmm. each week, uh, going through the process of, first of all, choosing the chapters that we want to focus on. And I'll be doing this, of course, in league with the Reverend Shannon White, who's going to be choosing uh, chapters from the book that she will focus on when she's preaching. And so it's looking at texts that relate and also what's happening in you know the world right now. Right. Uh, this particular week, of course, is the week when we celebrate uh, the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. and his life, his significance, but also the the broader impact of the civil rights movement. So I'm really focusing. Dr. King liked to use the phrase "the strength to love," mm-hmm. and the way that love requires a particular kind of strength. And right. we often have more capacity to love than we recognize. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll be focusing on for this particular week. Um, But yeah, each week is going to be a conversation between text, music, events going on in the world, Gary Gunderson's book.
0: Yeah. It's always interesting, I find, when I select music for worship and, you know, I always do my best to make sure the themes line up, but they're not usually, they're not necessarily overt, Mm -hmm. the obvious connections. Um, sometimes they're a little tenuous. I'll be the first Sublime. to admit. Sublime, yes. <laughs> um, and it's really exciting to see as worship as we're in the experience of worship, how connections come up with the music that I didn't anticipate. Mm, that's, I always, that's always that's my favorite it's part. Fun. It's my favorite part of the job. Yeah. Um, I found yesterday when we we did this amazing um arrangement of the Shaker anthem Love is Little. Mm which I thought I was sort of picturing like, you know, I get, you know, there's like the epiphany thing, there's the baptism of Jesus. And I always have to remind myself that Jesus wasn't a baby. <laughs> I was picturing like a baptism, like we're all used to.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Baptized as a full adult.
0: Yeah. It was like a full, he was like standing up. Um, <laughs> And so it was funny to sort of see all the pieces kind of weave together and all you yeah, know, the, 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 the piece was sort of, a, you know, all the different ways that love can be kind of evokes that like first Corinthians. It's beautiful situation. I was agree yeah, I love that anthem so much. It's yeah. really. I like I like especially I like really like clean I hesitate to use the word austere, but that's what comes to mind. Like mm. really like really clean um unaccompanied choral music. Mm. That's like my happy place. Mm. Um and this is right is <laughs> it hit right there? I was like yes, I want to do that. I want to do. It. Um so it was very, it was, you know, it was interesting to see that. And then we did some sort of like bigger, bigger pieces and smaller pieces. And, um, you know, the introit was Crisis Made the Share Foundation, the hymn. Right. Which I was originally going to schedule as the opening hymn. But I have this amazing hymnal that one of our congregation members, Susie Simpson, uh, took control of for like a number of years and would write the date that we oh, sang the hymn. What a gift, yeah. Incredible. And I opened to it, and there were no number, no no dates on it, and that that hymn for me used to be in that my church growing up. I think that was used as almost like a doxology okay type situation. It wasn't used as it, but it was used within the liturgy. Mm-hmm. So I think saying like every week. And so coming and then coming here and then realizing it wasn't that there wasn't the same like
1: connection. Sure. Yep. So I was like, well,
0: I guess I'll have the soloist sing it then.
1: <laughs> it was perfect. It worked nice. Yeah. So congregations develop their their own unique passions right, right for certain music. For sure. And that's really interesting to yeah. see how that develops. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And particularly here, you know, there's a lot of like... Um, there's a lot of uh, earth and creation uh, right. hymns we like and use a lot, which I think is wonderful. You know, they kind of tell you, you know, there's that old saying, and I'm going to butcher it because I can't remember what exactly what it is, but, you know, that, that congregations sing what they believe. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like go to your congregation's most sung hymns, mm-hmm. and that tells you what they believe. Right.
1: Their theology.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's just I'm I'm thinking, Leslie, because of this the specific context of Gary Gunderson's book, maybe another way of saying this is that there are certain hymns for every congregation that make them strong.
0: Yeah. Right. Where people yeah. feel
1: like, I feel stronger now because mm-hmm. I've sung that hymn. I feel like I'm able to face more of the world because of that.
0: Well, and you're singing it together. That idea of the strength right. of community, you know, we talk about you know, all the different ways there are to worship and the different ways, you know, we, we of course offer our online service, which has been, I think, very good for people. I think it's been so well received and so helpful for people, especially during all this COVID Mm. upheaval. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, I think it's natural for some of our, our members to be concerned that that would replace in-person worship. Right. But I think there's no replacing the feeling and experience of community. I think they're different. I think they're both equally valuable, Mm -hmm. but I think Mm -hmm. they're very different.
1: I agree. I I've certainly come to appreciate in the past year that uh, that experience of being in the physical space with other people mm-hmm. and hearing their voices, and even now uh, when you have the soloists coming down to the main floor of the sanctuary to accompany us. And by the way, Gary Gunderson has a chapter called "The Strength to Accompany." Oh, nice. Um, we I can hear their voices. Now their voices make me feel stronger. Mm -hmm. They actually make me want to sing out more, Mm -hmm. and that's and interestingly enough, that's really just two people, right, coming down, two or three, yeah, two or three. So going back to the that lovely shaker piece, you know, that love is little, love love is little, right, that a little can go a long way. And I was talking with a friend of mine last week about. Part of the spiritual meaning of Christmas, for me, is that you think about God inhabiting the world in the form of a tiny baby. That's really the Christmas message, right? right? One of the tiniest human form, the tiniest human form available, right? right? And so it it indicates to me that God has a bias for tiny things.
0: (laughs) It's true. Right? Yeah.
1: And so you get a little baby in a little country, like in the very Backwater of the Roman Empire. Right. Right. Who would have thought? And yet there's incredible strength that flows out of that one life. Mm-hmm. And just as there's so much strength that comes from one soloist voice when you're standing 10 or 15 away, you yeah. think, I can sing along now. But
0: yeah. You can kind of fit into that space. I mean, but what a voice, let's be honest. Well, that's true. Right? <laughs> it helps. So it's not my voice. Right? Oh, a great voice. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> but I, but I do think that um, you know you and I have often talked about. I think we have mixed feelings about the word strength. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, Collectively, as, especially in our culture, strength is associated with uh, forms of expression about domination. Sure. Right. Sure. And to think about, okay, so what are the forms of strength that don't have to do with that? Mm-hmm. And actually, Gary Gunderson has a quotation in his book, I'm sure it will surface in the coming weeks, where he says specifically that the strength of love is not a, has nothing to do with the force of domination. Uh-huh. It's really about the force of connection, mm-hmm. which is what we've been looking for these last two years. How do we stay connected? Uh, it's about the force of one person supporting another. And all of that becomes so essential to us as community. But when we're living out that kind of strength, we're also standing against the false kind of strength, right? right? That's about demeaning, dehumanizing people. And we've got a lot of that kind of strength around the world these days. Right. 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 So
0: think of the term sort of quiet strength. Yes. Is a, is a phrase that sort of was what that evokes. I'm thinking of something, and I'm with your amazing skills, I'm sure you can turn this into like some really. <laughs> <laughs> epic sacred message but I, it occurred to me this morning because so I did I did a I, Peloton so I did a Peloton strength class which is sure. on a mat you're not on the bike you're just standing on a mat and you have your different weights and okay. they they advise you on what weights you can use yep. and just say you know adjust to whatever you feel like I was feeling brave so I did the same weight as the instructor was doing okay last time I did not and this time I was like I think I could I think I could go heavier. Um, and it reminded me of something I had experienced before, which is that it's not its not that the weight feels any lighter. Like, so I'm picking it for, okay, so I was using a 10-pound dumbbell, and then I went to a 15-pound dumbbell. Okay. So I'm holding this 15-pound dumbbell, and it's not that it's like, oh, all of a sudden this is a lighter weight than it was two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The weight sensation of it is still, this is heavy sure. compared to 10 pounds. But that doesn't mean I can lift it any less.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's
0: like, I think, I think in my head, I always thought, well, once I'm like really strong, I can, it, 15 pounds will feel like nothing Uh or whatever. It feels like 15 pounds. It will still, it will always feel like 15 pounds. Right. But it means I actually can lift it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a, you know, there's like a sermon or something. I'm sure there is. But (laughs) I just, it's, it's not that it feels any lighter. And But I have greater strength, and so I can lift it.
1: Well, I think one thought that comes to me, you know, the, the discomfort of that added weight right. no longer has the same relevance. Sure. Right? Yeah. You feel like I can, I have the capacity to do that. Yeah. There's still going to be a kind of discomfort that goes along with it. Right. But the discomfort is not going to stop you. Right. Right. And I do think that I've been... As I've been reading about what people do to form a new habit, Mm -hmm. it almost seems, let's say, a a habit that's good for you. Sure. (laughs) All right. We'll start from that baseline.
0: Those are harder to do. Yeah.
1: Those are harder to do. (laughs) Exactly. And part of it is that there's uh, the need to live through some necessary discomfort Mm -hmm. and embrace the discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about our culture, you know, where we want it to, we we think it'll all ease out over time. Sure. Right. But that, for some reason, that discomfort is there. It stays there. It's just that we start to think, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I can. Right? Yeah. And that's, a, and that is a kind of strength. I
0: like that. Right.
1: I that like is that. a different kind of strength.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like the word strength, and we're looking at it through this book, has so many facets mm. that... Mm-hmm. You know, once we get past the sort of initial, like, the initial thoughts we have about or the initial reaction we have, perhaps against it
1: mm-hmm. due to,
0: you know, other uses of the word, mm-hmm. that, that it, we can actually find a lot of in there.
1: We can. We can. I think I think in some ways we have to reclaim it. I like that. Yeah. So that's going to be our part of our mission, right? For the next month and a half, we'll get to reclaim Features of the word strength that will bring us new life and fresh hope.
0: I love that. Well, thank you all for joining us today for Round Hill Radio. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church.